This evening is part of something new that we're doing at Christ Community, and that is kind of creating intergenerational moments where we can have all ages kind of being in the Word and, and spending time with God together. So this month, we invited Keith Farron to come and speak. Keith um, is a native Kansan from Wichita. So, oh, Salina, darn it, I always want to say Wichita. Because people train, don't come out of Wichita, planes, trains, and automobiles, just so you know. Um, so anyways, we, he does a lot of movie quoting, so just so you guys know, you got to talk like that. So anyways, Keith um, is native of Canton, but he has now relocated, and he's in Seattle. And I don't know if that makes you a Seahawk fan. Does that make you a Seahawk? Oh, no. Well, Royals fan still? Yeah, so during the Royals, Keith and I were talking back and forth. So he still has good feelings for Kansas City, especially when the Royals were in the postseason play. But you guys, I am so glad that Keith came this evening. He is a husband, he is a father, and he is just someone who loves the Word of God. And I shared this one other time. Keith, the first time I heard Keith speak was probably seven, eight years ago. Man, maybe it was longer. I don't know. But um, the first time I heard Keith, I just walked away and went, wow, all this time I've had this amazing book and I've never fallen in love with it once. I do it out of duty and obligation and because I'm in a Bible study, I read it. But I've never felt what he gave me um, as a gift that day before that day. It was such a treat. So I'm glad that he's here to share with you tonight. Um, Keith is going to be sharing a lot of things from his first book, Falling in Love with God's Word. Um, he's written many books, and we are partnering on a new project, which we'll talk about at the end. But I'm just so glad he's here this evening. So will you help give a warm welcome to Keith on a cold Kansas night? <clears throat> yeah. I know. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you for you sending know. the sled dogs to the airport. <laughs> yeah. He literally landed at 334 today. So I was like hoping that Keith was going to make it in. So let me just pray for Keith before we get, begin. Father, we thank you that um, you have provided for Keith to be able to come and share with us on this cold evening. Lord, may you speak through Keith and share with us the things that you would desire to help us grow in relationship with you through your words Lord, may we just discover something new tonight that sparks a desire in us to grow with you this year in 2015, and may there be something left over that we can give away this evening to others. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. It's all, all right. yours. Let's do it. All right. Yes, I'm a Seahawks fan, but uh, still a little bitter that the pass interference call didn't happen in the fourth quarter at Kansas City game. Whatever. Uh, I was actually thinking, I don't know, I, I, I watched that Seahawks-Chiefs game and I thought you guys were going to be in the postseason. So I'm a little bit bummed out that we don't get a rematch this year. But uh, anyhow, uh, this journey for me toward falling in love with God's Word uh, really started in earnest. I can pinpoint the night, I mean as Don was just talking about, a night when something happened. I can look back at April 18th of 1994. Now, I had grown up in the church, and I was one of those kids, you know, born on Saturday, church on Sunday, and then also, you know, this was several years, decades ago, so we're talking about Sunday night also and Wednesday night for different sermons. And, uh, and so it was something where, I and I wasn't even somebody that you really had to drag to church. I liked church, and I liked pretty much most things about church. I mean, I like the music, and I like the people, and I like potlucks, and you know, churches. A lot of times you walk in churches, and there's food there, and I've always been a fan. And, and so I like the people and all that, but the Bible was something that, I don't know, it was probably right around, I don't know, middle school or something like that, when somebody said I was supposed to start having my own quiet time right? And, you know, I had really, really liked the Bible up to then, you know, because pretty much in elementary school, they only tell you the really cool stories, you know, <laughs> stuff that really flies on a flannel graph. Is anybody with me? Flannel graph? For those of you that are under the age of 30, that's flash video. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but then I started, you know, somebody said, you know, pick a chapter a day and read a chapter a day and think about what it means and how it applies. And then the next day, read the next chapter and kind of work your way through the New Testament or work your way through one of the Gospels or start at Genesis and make a big project of it or whatever it was. But I kind of had this, I was told 
that you're supposed to read a chapter a day. And so I would read, and, and I would be consistent for little bits of time, but then I'd be inconsistent for longer bits of time. And, and I always felt like the Bible was something that I should read more. And I probably should know it better. And I probably should memorize more verses. And I probably should like it more than I do. But I believed it was true, but I didn't love it. And I remember in April of 94, um, actually it was 93, sorry. April of 93, I was having lunch with a buddy of mine who was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor because after college I didn't feel like growing up, so I became a youth pastor. Where's Joey? Wherever he's at, he knows the truth of that statement. And, uh, and so I just didn't, you know, I, I, I was this youth pastor. I had lunch with a buddy of mine who was a youth pastor across town. And he said, hey, there's this guy coming to our church Sunday night who has memorized the entire gospel of Luke. And he gets up on stage with no sets, no props, no costumes, no other actors and actresses. And he just quotes it. And while he quotes it, he kind of acts it out. And so, as you might imagine, the first thought that went through my head was, dude, that's a lot. You know. The second thought was, would anybody really want to listen to that for almost two hours? I mean, I wasn't trying to be sacrilegious or anything, but my idea about what memorized, quoted scripture sounded like brought me back to my elementary school days when I was living in Salina, and once a year they would stand the second grade Sunday school class up in front of big church, and one at a time, really frightened eight-year-olds would go, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one only son, who is in John Paris, but I'm your life, John 3.16. And then the next year we go, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. They give us one and only son, and whosoever believeth in it. Who's seen this happen? You've seen this happen? And so I got to tell you, there was this pretty big disconnect for me between memorized, quoted scripture and good drama. But I figured if anybody could pull it off, it'd be this guy. His name is Bruce Kuhn, and he had been in the Broadway cast of Les Mis, which rumor has it is above average. And I went... For two reasons, quite I, no great spiritual motivation. I went to support my buddy who had asked me to come and to see if somebody could do it. I'd never heard of anything like this before. And the best way that I can describe what happened for me that night is that the living word of God went from being a phrase to a reality. And I find that as I travel around the world, for most people, the living word of God is a phrase that they desperately wish was a reality has nothing to do with whether people believe it's true or not. Believing something's true, believing something's alive are two very different things. Right? Any high school students in here? Okay. When I was your age, I believed that my algebra equations were true. Not so much alive for me. Right? I don't know. Are you with me? And, uh, and, it, was, and it was something that, that things just started to change. I ended up Go, not only did I stay through the whole thing, I was going to leave at intermission, but I stayed through the whole thing. I went up to Bruce afterwards. I said, hey, man, they said that you were going to be in town all week. They didn't say that you had any presentations tomorrow. Can I take you to lunch? He said yes. Uh, I took him out to lunch, picked him up at noon, dropped him back off at his hotel at 9 p.m. No exaggeration. We spent the whole day together, and this guy just talked about the Bible very differently from anybody I'd ever heard before. He started saying things like, well, what if instead of just you know, reading this section and then this section and then and memorizing this verse or this verse or whatever. He said, what if you just took a book of the Bible? You just took a large chunk of scripture and you just soaked in it until you knew it. You just hung out there until you knew it. And when you know it, you move on. And I, and I just remember thinking, okay, my whole life I've heard about studying the Bible and memorizing verses. I've never heard anybody talk about hanging out with it or soaking in it. And so I took him up on his challenge. You know, he had done that summer of 93. He, you know, he had done Luke. I want to do something different. So I chose Philippians. <laughs> and I just read Philippians every day. And then the next day I read Philippians. And the next day I read Philippians. And, and again, I had always read a chapter a day. And so Philippians, I had read Philippians before. 
but it was always a four-day deal. But I realized after only a couple days that for the first time in my life, I was reading this letter the way that I would actually read a letter. I'm, I'm guessing that it's not a massive shock to many of you in this room if I was to say, Philippians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in the city of Philippi. Right? Breaking news. But if you went out to your mailbox, when you get home tonight, you go out to your mailbox and, well, you'd probably wait until it warmed up, but whatever. And, uh, and you pulled out, and in the middle of the, the bills and the credit card offers and the pizza coupons, because that's all we get anymore, there was a, tucked in there a handwritten, uh, an envelope with your name handwritten on the outside, and you opened it up, and there's a four-page handwritten letter. And the first line is, I thank my God every time I remember you. Would you read page one and then go, Whew, I'm spent. I better save page two for tomorrow. You know, four days from now, I'm going to have this bad boy cranked out. I, it's crazy. And yet, that's Philippians. And, and I found that as I just read it, and I just hung out in Philippians and read it over and over, I started feeling differently about the Bible. I started thinking about the Bible at times other than when I had my Bible open. I started looking at some of the people that are mentioned, not just as characters, as if I were reading a script or something like that, but as people, I started looking at Timothy and Epaphroditus in chapter 2 and thinking, man, I'd like to hang out with those guys. Started seeing the church at Philippi and going, man, that's a church that has the generosity thing down. That's a church I'd like to hang out with. And and I just started wanting to read it. The should was starting to shift to want. And that was massive for me. I also then got to the end of the summer, and I was driving down the street one day, thinking through Philippians, and realized I had just gone about three paragraphs without making a mistake. And I went, ooh, <laughs> memorizing Scripture without trying. <laughs> this is good. I like this. <laughs> Memorizing's always been really hard. And, and what I realized is I actually hadn't memorized it. I had internalized it. It was a part of me. I knew it. I understood it, and I could talk about it in common language, but then I could also quote it. I, it, it, was, it was hidden there. For the first time in my life, I understood what I have hidden your word in my heart, Matt, because I actually had. I hadn't just hidden his words in my head, which is how so many of us approach memorization. And so it was that summer of 93, I stopped using the word memorization. Started talking about internalizing because I wanted to know it. I have yet to find the, the verse in here that says, above all else, get the words in the right order. I haven't found that. But all throughout, I find I've hidden your word in my heart. Meditate on it all day long. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it all day long so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. How can we be careful to do everything written in something that we don't know, that we don't understand? Because there are a lot of things that I could memorize and get the words in the right order and not know. Right? Again, when I was in high school, there was a point in time in which I knew the periodic table. Not so much helpful for me now. Right? I'd memorized it. I hadn't internalized it. If I was going to be a chemist, I would have internalized it, not just memorized it. Right? I want to be a follower of Jesus, not just somebody who knows stuff about him. I want to know him. And I realized that as I was thinking about the word and as I was hiding it in my heart and as I was carrying it with me and as I was thinking about it at times other than during my quiet time, I realized that for the first time in my life, I was studying the Bible relationally, not just informationally. And everything changed that summer because I realized that for my whole life, for the first 20 years that I hung out with Jesus, I went to the Bible to learn about God, to learn what he wanted me to know so that I could do what he wanted me to do. And for the first time in my life, I was reading the Bible to hang out with him to get to know him better. 
Interestingly enough, the more that I just hung out with him in his word, the more that I wanted to live out what was in there, the more that I learned about him as well. Because I was approaching it relationally, not just informationally. You realize this is the only book that has ever been written with the sole purpose of drawing you into a relationship with its author. The purpose of this book is not information. The purpose of this book is relationship. And, and when I started studying it relationally, everything changed. And so tonight, uh, with the two and a half hours we have together, or maybe a little less than that. What are we? Okay. What, what I want to look at tonight is some of the things that I wish somebody would have told me when I had been a Christian for three or four years. That, that when I was 12, when I was 14, when I was 18, when I was 20, that I wish that somebody would have said, you know what? The Bible isn't just true, the Bible's awesome. You can actually enjoy it. You can actually have fun reading it. It's a pretty cool book. And so that's been my passion now for the last 20 years. And it's, it's built on really two principles. One is this idea, this principle of relational and a relational approach to the Bible rather than an informational one. And the second principle is some of the how of getting that done, which is I found that I had been spending most of my life and most of what I had done when it comes to studying the Bible had been trying to approach and learn the Bible in a way that does not line up with how our brains naturally and easily learn. We naturally and easily learn from the general to the specific, not from the specific to the specific to the specific to the specific. And so I want to look at what, how we go about doing that. But first, this, how do we approach this relationally? I think it starts with, and it's, it sounds like the church thing to say, but it starts with a prayerful mindset when we go to the Word. To go to the Word, starting out by having a conversation with God, not starting out by opening up our Bible or our commentary or a devotional book or whatever else, but starting out just sitting down and saying, God, what do you want to do today? Starting out with that relational mindset, this prayerful mindset that says, God, I'm here. I want to be with you. I want to connect with you. I want to meet with you. And sometimes that turns into longer periods of silence than just getting through my reading for the day. Now, as I mentioned, that the purpose of the Bible is relationship, but that doesn't mean there's not information in there. In, there, in any relationship, there is information that is exchanged, but if our approach is primarily informational, that relationship will never really develop, right? Just like, you know, I, I, I met Joey for the first time, uh, right before this, and we started talking, and we talked about kids, and, and his two kids are pretty close in age, as far as age gap, as my two oldest, and talked about having kids close together, and those first two years, you're tired, and, uh, and, uh, and we talked about that, and then we talked about the Kansas City Royals, talked about Chiefs, and we had, well, if I, let's, let's just say that I moved back to Kansas, and Joey and I decided, you know what, we kind of hit things off, we were going to be friends, and let's, let's get together at Starbucks once a week before work and just hang out, get to know each other. In the course of those weeks of hanging out at Starbucks, would we learn some information about each other? Sure, right? I mean, of, of course. But if I showed up week one and I had my notepad and at the top of the notepad, it said, 47 things I need to know about Joey for him to be my friend. And I said, okay, so what's your favorite team? And, and what, have you always lived in Kansas? And how did you meet your wife? And what are the names of your kids? And what are you, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And did you grab a Klondike bar or a fruit bar or both? And, you know, I, I, 
Now, he might be polite and answer some of these questions. What's the chance of him showing up week two? But don't we do that to God all the time? We sit down and we open up our Bible and we open up our devotional book and we read our little passage of Scripture and we, you know, we read the questions and we answer the questions and we fill in the blanks for the day and, and when we've answered the last question for the day, we must be done. And so we close our Bible and we close our devotional book and we say, God, please help me remember this through the day and we walk away. And sometimes I think that we've left our time with God, not having been with God at all. And this, this approach of saying, God, I, I want to do what you want to do today. And I believe that there are days when you should read the Bible and not learn anything. I, I think there are days when you should read the Bible and just enjoy the read. I mean, just because it's true doesn't mean the stories aren't crazy, right? I mean, there's some crazy stuff in there, and so, there is funny stuff in there. One of, my, one of my favorite things about presenting the Gospel of John, because after learning Philippians, I made a New Year's resolution in 94 of internalizing the Gospel of John, and then little did I know that God had a plan and that starting in 96, I would be doing with the Gospel of John for the next 19 years. Uh, what Bruce was doing with the Gospel of Luke. But one of my favorite things about presenting the Gospel of John is watching how frequently people laugh because they don't expect it, right? I mean, if, if, I, were, if, if I was to say, you know what, I'm going to quote the Bible for the next hour and 40 minutes, you know, you're not going to elbow the person next to you and go, this is going to be so funny. <laughs> but you would laugh. Within five or ten minutes, you would laugh because it's funny. You know, I mean, after all, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, from a story perspective, what are we talking about here? It's four different accounts of 13 guys on a three-year road trip. Right? That's the story. Have you ever been on a road trip? Funny stuff happens. And even the most serious biblical scholars will tell you that somewhere between 25 and 35% of the disciples were teenagers. Hello? <laughs> right? You ever been on a road trip with teenagers? Crazy stuff happens. That's just on the way from home to the gas station. But then they just go, right? It's fun. And sometimes I think we need to not learn anything. I think... We so often go to the Bible and say, God, what do you want to teach me today? I think that's the wrong approach. Because some days he wants to teach us something. But do you want to get together with a friend who every single time you get together with them, they want to teach you something? Or they want to correct you on something? Or, you know, or they want to tell you what you're doing wrong and what you need to do? I don't want to be hanging out with a friend like that. The thing is, is that when I actually hang out with my friends, sometimes they will challenge me, and sometimes they will correct me, and sometimes they will teach me, and sometimes they will encourage me. And all of that happens in the Bible. I'm not saying it never happens. It absolutely happens. But God is our Heavenly Father, right? Those of you that are parents in the room, are there days when you need to teach your kids something? Or discipline them, or correct them, or comfort them, or inspire them to be more than they would be on their own? Do all those things happen as a parent? Are there also some days when you just play catch, or bake cookies, or go to the park, or whatever? Now let me ask you, are those days less valuable? And those of you that are students and kids in the room, what would you think if your parents sat you down tonight and said, you know what, your mother and I have talked, and we've decided there's so much we need to teach you and correct you on and that we will no longer be playing together. You know, <laughs> you can come to us for the occasional comforting, but you can play with only each other. I mean, it's ridiculous. Why do we think that God never wants to just have fun with us? It's a rela the relational piece of it is a mindset thing. And for so many of us, it's got to be a retraining because we've spent years, for some of us decades, approaching the Bible to learn something so that we can apply it, so that we can make God happy. I mean, that, 
sounds overly simplified, but I think that, that was me for 20 years. And it never led to, I want to read the Bible. It led to, I should do this more. I should know this better. Here's the other piece of prayerful reading. Is there anybody here who ever struggles with their mind wandering when they read the Bible? Anybody just not like to raise your hand in public? Okay. Okay. I met very few people who don't struggle with this. And is there anybody here for whom that is not only frustrating in general, but it's also frustrating specifically because you like to read and you can sit down and read a novel for three hours without losing focus. And in fact, you can be so focused on your novel, you completely ignore all responsibility that you got. And then you sit down and you read the Bible and, right? And have you ever had one of these things where you like your mind is wandering and you're going, okay, I am going to focus. I'm going to start over. I'm going to read. I'm going to focus at a bird, you know, and off you go. And it's just, you know, or, or, or the other one where you're just kind of reading and all of a sudden you just, you realize that your eyes are moving, but you're not really reading. And then have you ever turned, have you ever been reading the Bible and you turn the page and you have no idea why, right? Well, my eye was at the bottom. Where was I going to go? The margin? You know, I mean, it, well, for me, this, was, this has been something that has been a struggle my whole life. And even after I had internalized Philippians and John and was already presenting Scripture and already knew how awesome the Bible was, I was still on a regular daily basis struggling with my mind just being all over the place. And one day I just had a particularly horrible quiet time, one in which my mind was just everywhere. I couldn't get two, three paragraphs, let alone pages or chapters. And I was just all over. And finally, after 10 minutes or so, I just closed my Bible and I was having one of those one-sided conversations with God. Have you ever had this one? God, what is wrong with me? Why can't I focus? I love you. I love your word. I, I, I want to serve you. I want to make you happy. And I just can't focus. And what is wrong? You know, well, at some point in the conversation, I stopped to inhale and God said, I'd like to talk now. And um, and he gave me this, this picture in my head, this vision that has forever helped me with this. So as frightened as you are right now, go with me into my brain. I was a running back on a football team, and, which is confirmation that it was a vision. And, uh, and I was on the 20-yard line, had 80 yards to go. My number had been called. I knew that I was getting the ball. And I had done everything I was supposed to do. I'd been to all the practices, I'd been in the weight room, I was in shape, I was ready to go, I had studied the playbook, I knew exactly which way the quarterback was going to turn, I knew where the hole was going to be, what blockers I was going to follow, and I had visualized the end zone, right? I, had, I could see six points on the board. <sighs> sure enough, ball snapped, turns exactly the way I'm expecting, I grab the ball, off I go, there's the hole, I run right through it. There's the blocker. I run right behind him. Bam, we get down, get five yards down, get 15 yards down, get 20 yards down, then bam, I'm laying there on my back. Thinking, this is totally not the end zone. I'd like to be in the end zone. I pictured the end zone. Why am I not in the end zone? And a buddy comes over and he helps me up and he hears me mumbling these questions. And he says, well, hey man, there is somebody playing defense. You ever thought about that? Every single time you pick this up, there is somebody playing defense. There is somebody who's trying to actively make sure that you don't like it. And we don't even acknowledge that he's present. Because it doesn't feel like he's present. I mean, it's usually early in the morning and it's quiet and we have our coffee and it's the only time in our day that our world is quiet, and, right? And it doesn't feel like there's an attack going on. But, but here's the simple truth. If Satan can convince you that John Grisham is a better author than God, he's won a pretty big battle, don't you think? So part of prayerful reading is that relational mindset. And part of that prayerful reading is beating the defense. Part of that prayerful reading saying, God, send some blockers for me. Most of us, again, we, we ignore the fact that there's even an attack going on, and we say things like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I focus? 
Maybe the Bible isn't as awesome as people say that it is. Maybe it's not really helpful. Maybe it's not. Well, where does that sound like it comes from? Anybody that's played any sports for any length of time at all will tell you that as a defensive player, as soon as you can get the offense talking negatively about themselves, you're done. Your work is over, right? In all the football games that I have watched in my lifetime, I have never in my life seen a running back tackled on the first play of the game and stand up and go, I never make it to the end zone. Why didn't I make it to the end zone? I want to be down there. I've never seen that. Typically, I see them stand up and say, give me the ball. And they start developing a strategy for beating the defense. And I believe the number one strategy for beating the defense is prayer. To be in conversation with God to foster that relational mindset as we go. Now, let's look, move from that, kind of uh, with that relational, let's, let's call that first principle, the relational principle, let's call that the umbrella under which everything else sits, because that's the overarching principle for the whole thing. The next several pieces we're going to talk about are all the, the practical ways in which I try to foster that relationship and have it be in line with the way that our brains naturally and easily learn. Because as I said, we, we learn from the general to the specific is how we naturally and easily learn anything. But when we go to the Bible, so frequently we go specific to specific to specific to specific. And if you want to enjoy the Bible and understand it more and remember what you read, we need to read more of it. And I'm not just talking about read more consistently every day, although that's a good thing. I'm saying read bigger chunks of it. I find that a vast majority of people who read the Bible regularly read the Bible one of two ways. They either read the chapter a day method, which is what I was raised on, or they read some sort of devotional book, right, where there's a chunk of scripture, there's maybe some commentary on it, there's some questions or thoughts or something like that. That covers typically, I find about 85 to 90 percent of people who read the Bible regularly fall into one of those two categories. Well, the average chapter of scripture takes about four minutes to read. The average section of scripture that's in a devotional book takes about 30 seconds. Even at, most people that are going to tackle a big, huge Bible reading project are going to read through the Bible in a year, right? You've heard people do that. Maybe you've tried it yourself. Most people quit sometime in February or between February and April. But even that, if you, do you realize that the commitment to read the Bible in a year is between 10 and 12 minutes a day? It's nowhere near as much as people think. The average audio Bible, you look at Amazon, the average audio Bible is about 70 to 73 hours. And that's, out, that's somebody not reading super fast, that's out loud, and that includes like the weather and animal noises, right? And uh, you divide that by 365, you're at about 11 minutes. And you want to enjoy the Bible? Pick a book and just read it. Read the whole book in one sitting. I mentioned doing that with Philippians. Do you realize that there are more books of the Bible that can be read in their entirety in less than 30 minutes than books that take longer than 30 minutes? Most books of the Bible are short, not long. And to sit down and to read for 20, 30 minutes, if you're going to read Philippians, Philippians is about, if you're reading out loud at a normal rate of speed, Philippians is about a 15-minute commitment. Ephesians kicks up to 18 to 20. But people ask, well, what about the longer books? What about the Gospel of John or Genesis or something like that? My recommendation is read for an amount of time, not an amount of content. If you're reading the book of John, let's say that Joey and I, when we're getting together at Starbucks, we're going to 
just discuss the Gospel of John. We're both going to read it together. And I'm going to go with what I was raised on, the chapter a day method. Well, it's 21 chapters. So that means if I never, ever miss a day, it's going to take me three weeks to read this one story about this guy named Jesus who claimed to be God and saved the world, right? Let's say, you know, when I tell people how much time can you give, I, I always get one of three answers, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or 30 minutes. That's what people say. I can do 15, I can do 20, you know. So let's just take the middle one, not even the long one. Let's just take 20 minutes. Joey just says, you know what, I'm going to read for 20 minutes a day. And wherever I'm at, I'll finish that chapter, put my bookmark in, the next day I'll read for another 20 minutes. It takes a little bit less than two hours to read the Gospel of John out loud at a normal rate of speed, like you were reading a book to a kid. So let's just round it up to two hours. That means in that same three-week period that it's going to take me to read it once, he's going to read it three and a half times. So who's going to enjoy it more? Who's going to remember it better? Right? But we read these little tiny bits and we don't get into it, right? How many of you like to read, like novels, you just enjoy reading? Okay, try this. The next time you read a novel, commit to read one page a day. <laughs> Ready, set, go. Those of you that like Tom Clancy, you just made a three-year commitment. I mean, audible laughter. Why is there laughter? Why would you never do that? In fact, if you bought a new novel or downloaded it on your Kindle app you, and you only got one or two, three minutes in and a phone call came or one of your kids came in the room or you just got distracted or got a text or whatever else, the next time you picked it up, what would you do? You'd start over, right? You wouldn't go, I'm going to put my bookmark in on page two. And I'm going to start and read page from page two. To, there's no way because you never got into it. You never got into the feel and the flow of it. When we read big chunks of anything, the Bible or a novel or anything, our brains naturally and easily go, what into, what, go into what I call the storyteller's mode. We naturally start to see the people and hear their voices and picture the scenes. That's why if you have ever read a novel and then seen the movie based on the novel, you have been angry at the casting director, right? The casting director is always an idiot, true, right? Are you serious? Did they even read the book? I mean, that person was taller or shorter or blonde hair, brown, wasn't even a girl, whatever, you know? <laughs> you seen this? Why? Because you naturally started to see it. And it started to sound different. The characters started to sound different. The same actually can and will happen with the Bible, but not when we read 30 seconds to four minutes a day. I don't know anything other than maybe the comic page that I can read for 30 seconds a day and love. If you want to fall in love with the Word and you want to remember it and you want to carry it with you, set aside an amount of time. And don't say, okay, the Gospel of John is 21 chapters. I want to read it every five days, so I'm going to read four chapters a day. Because the thing is, is when you divide it into amount of content, it becomes a chore. As soon as you put it into an amount of content, you will read the first chapter, and for the rest of your time reading, you'll think, I've got three more chapters to get through. I've got two more chapters to get through. I've got one more chapter to get through. If you say, I'm going to read for 20 minutes, and you glance at the clock, and you've got 10 minutes left, you can, you'll say, I get to read for 10 more minutes, because you've already set aside the 20 minutes. It's a whole different mindset that happens when you read for an amount of time instead of an amount of content. Now, again, with short books, just read it. And you'll start to see how different ones are are different. They'll start to sound different. Here, let me put it this way. If you read Philippians and you read Galatians and they sound the same in your head, you're reading incorrectly. Yeah, and for most of us, they sound exactly the same. In fact, all parts of the Bible, except maybe some things in Psalms, but almost all parts of the Bible sound the same when we're reading it. As we read silently, there's just this voice. There's our Bible reading voice that reads internally in our head, and it's right here, right? 
a little reverb, and is up a little bit, and this is the voice that reads our Bible for us. And it's quiet, and it's calm, and it always reads our Bible for us. But, Philippian, but, but Philippians and Galatians shouldn't sound like, yes, they're both letters. Yes, they're written by the Apostle Paul. Yes, they're in about the same section in your Bible. Yes, they're about the same length. But Philippians starts out, they both have a little greeting at the top, but the first thing he says in Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Come on, group hug. Right? Yeah, oh, thanks, man. I like that. Galatians. A little greeting at the top. First thing he says. I am astonished. You are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't want that letter. <laughs> right? You read Philippians, you feel like you've been hugged. You read Galatians, you should be a little sore. <laughs> but we read these little tiny bits and our brains never go into that storyteller's mode, and there's this guy who jumps into our brain, and he reads our Bible for us. His name is Mr. Monotone. Does he ever read your Bible for you? Right? And we read, I thank my God every time I remember you, and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and returning to Blah, blah, blah. And it all sounds the same. And it's because that's not the way that our brains were meant to take things in. I mean, think of anything that you know well. Anything that you could talk about at a high level or a very detailed level and think back to how you learned it. You learned it from the general to the specific. You did not learn from the specific to the specific to the specific to the specific. I don't care whether it's a sport or whether it's music or whatever. I mean, you... If you're, learning a, if you're a musician and you're learning a new piece of music, it's helpful to hear the song, right? You don't just work on this measure over and over and over and over again. And once you have measure one down, let's add measure two. And once you get those two down, let's add measure three. No way, that's not how you would do it. Right? Same is true with any sport that you play. I, I grew up on the soccer field. If there's somebody in here that's played a lot of soccer, we could sit down and have a very detailed conversation about whether, when the appropriate time is to play a flat defense versus an arc defense versus a diamond defense. And when you should have a two-man front versus a one-man front or a three-man front. For those of you that haven't played a lot of soccer, I just sounded like the adults in a Charlie Brown cartoon. right? I should start with 11 guys here. 11 guys here, no hands, right? <laughs> and, and then we can start breaking it down a little bit, right? I'm not saying that the detailed verse-by-verse -verse study of Scripture is unimportant. It is massively important. It's just not the place to start. Not if you want to love it, and not if you want to remember it. Does anybody here like watching, like, twisty-turny movies? You know, movies where things change all the time and the good guy turns into the bad guy and you never know. And in the last scene, it was the dog, right? <laughs> you know, if I started a movie right now and at the end of scene one, I pushed pause and said, discuss. 
And then after we discussed that, I pushed play again and we watched scene two. And then I paused it and said, let's discuss that. It wouldn't take very long before a couple of you bigger guys in the room would be like, step away from the remote, son. Let's watch them. We like to, I, I don't mind talking about a specific character or a scene or a plot twist or the cinematography or any aspect of the movie, but I kind of want to watch the movie first. Right? And yet we study the Bible like we're studying the scenes of a movie we've never watched. I want you to raise your hand and keep your hand up if you've ever heard this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. If you've you've heard that, raise your hand and keep it up. Okay, now keep your hand up if you can tell me what book that's in. Okay, somebody shout it out. There's some confidence right there. <laughs> oh, I know what it is. Second Timothy. <laughs> right? I do that to make a point. There are so many verses that we know and we hear, and there's so many movie lines, but we don't know the movie. And the movie lines are so much more fun, so much more enjoyable, so much more powerful, and more and funnier, funnier, more funny, funniest, more. more. And uh, if you've seen the movie, right? And so read it. Read more. And then hang out in one place. Read it again. Stay in one place and read it again. Here's the beauty of repetition. If you actually want to remember it, you actually want to carry it with you, you actually want to be able to not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate on it all day long so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. If you actually want to remember it, then repetition is your best friend. To just read through and then move on and then read through and then move on and just always do that. Now, occasionally to read through the New Testament or to read through the Bible is fantastic. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. But, uh, but for the first four months of the year, I do that. For the other eight months of the year, I hunker down in a specific book and I soak in it and get to know it so that I can carry it with me. And repetition is the way. The beauty of repetition is repetition works whether we want it to or not. Right? Any parents in this room have VeggieTales songs in your head you wish would go away? <laughs> right? You ever been driving down the road in your minivan? Your kids aren't even in the car. And all of a sudden you go, where is my airbrush? (laughs) I'm telling you, I can't tell you, and this is killing me. I'm waiting for the day that this will get out of my head. But to this day, I can be driving down the road. My girls aren't even in the car. And I will just all of a sudden... Let it go, let it go. No, I want to let it go, but you won't go away, right? I mean, I knew that soundtrack before I saw the movie because my daughter sang it over and over and over and over, and we just hear it over and over. But when you read the Bible and you stay in the same place and you just read it, I found this out on accident when I just said I was going to read Philippians every day for the summer. And I just read Philippians. And all of a sudden I got to the end of the summer and I knew Philippians. Finish this sentence. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. Do you have six fingers on your right hand? Okay, let me ask you this. I did not say I am about to quote to you the first half of a movie line from The Princess Bride. I did not say that. By the way, those of you that haven't seen The Princess Bride, it's nowhere near as morbid as that just sounded. (laughs) And uh, you're killing my father. I just said finish the sentence. I said half of a sentence. And not only did many of you quote it back to me word for word, I heard some people over here using an accent... Why? Why? 
because our brains learn in the context of story by the process of repetition. And the thing is, is as soon as I said that sentence, you quoted it back to me, and your brain started actually picturing the guy running through the house and all the different things that happened because you remember the whole thing. But I'm guessing that the first time that you saw that movie, you didn't go, oh, that line is so funny. I've got I've to memorize it word for word. I've got I to write it on a note card. I've got to figure out a way to get it to stick. No, you just watch the movie 7,000 times. And he says it a bunch of times in there, and all of a sudden you remember. And then all the other things, because it's in the context of the whole big picture, you can look at one line and other things just start popping out to you, right? Stop that rhyming, I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Right? <laughs> I could go on forever, but I won't. Okay, oh, all right, this idea of prayerful reading and continuous or read more, rep continuous and repetitious, this big picture, this reading more, read a whole book or read for an allotted amount of time if you're reading a big book. Like I know that you as a church are walking through 1 Corinthians. Now, Corinthians, to read through Corinthians out loud at a normal rate of speed probably going to take you about 40 to 50 minutes. Now, not everybody here has 50 minutes a day. What I would challenge you to do, if you want to get more out of this sermon series than any you've ever listened to before, commit to reading 1 Corinthians three times a week during the series. Not just reading whatever passage is being preached on, just read the whole book three times a week going to be about a 15 or 20 minute commitment a day and just watch what happens because all week long you'll be watching the movie and you'll come on a Sunday or Saturday night or whenever you come you'll come and the sermon will be a, a conversation about a scene in a movie that you're already falling in love with and it'll all change so this relational mindset, prayerful reading. Read more and read it again. And you've heard me already allude to this, but I highly, highly, highly recommend that you read out loud. It is incredibly helpful. Again, it's part of the strategy of beating the defense. When you read out loud, you naturally read with more emotion. Your brain engages in a different way. And some people say, but when I read silently, I can read faster. Reading out loud slows me down. To which I would ask you, is your goal just to get through it? I mean, if your goal is going to shift to relate from, if it's just informational, then that makes sense. Get through it as fast as you can. But if your goal is relationship, then slow down. I mean, again, Joey, could you imagine if I walked into, uh, you know, after like week seven or something like that, we were getting together and, and I said, hey, you know what? I figured out a way that we could get through this hour in like 40 minutes. You know, we could get through our conversation in 40 minutes instead of having to sit and talk to each other for a whole hour. I mean, it would be great. When we read out loud, you'll remember more. You remember more of what you see and hear than just what you see, even if what you're hearing is your own voice. And I encourage you, read the Bible like you're reading Curious George to a five-year-old with just as much emotion and energy and passion. Watch what happens. It'll come alive to you in new ways. So read more. Read again. Read out loud. And read with a relational mindset. And what you'll find is after you've done that for two, three, four weeks. If you're reading a short book, my general rule is 30 times in 30 days. Typically, I take a short book like Philippians or 2 Timothy or Ephesians, something that I can read in one sitting, and I read it every day for a month. And then that's when I feel like I'm ready to go study the scenes of a movie. The analogy that I like to use to think about it is the analogy of building a house. Foundation, then framing, then finish work. Most of us study the Bible with just the finish work. Finish work is important. If you're building a house, I'm guessing that you want electricity, you want paint, you want trim, you want doors and knobs and all that stuff. 
But I'm guessing if the painter showed up the day that you broke ground, you'd probably tell him he's a little early. Right? There is an order in which that is better. And laying that foundation, what, everything that I have discussed tonight, I would put in the category of foundation. When you've done that, then you're ready to go, hey, let's look at this paragraph. Let's look at this verse. And then you'll be looking at the scene of a movie that you already know and that you already love. So I talked to, Don and I were talking before we got started uh, th- tonight, just saying, let's, let's take the last 10 or so minutes and just open it up. If there are you know, any, any questions, there are some things that she wanted to talk about as well. Uh, we can go from there. Okay, that's a good question. People ask me about audio Bibles all the time. And I, I, am, I am a fan of good ones. There are some out there that are like, hey, they actually found Mr. Monotone and had him hit record. And I mean, there are some bad ones out there. But, uh, but I, my feeling on that is it is a great supplement unless you struggle with reading itself, like some people that get really bad headaches or their eyes or just age or whatever else, unless that's all you can do, I say reading out loud, I mean, I mean, listening to an audio Bible is a great addition. When I'm studying something, when I'm reading something, uh, I will frequently have in my car, I'll just use like the version Bible app or something like that, and just stream, because it's free, and just stream it in my car to be another thing. But when, when that becomes the only way that somebody reads, because anybody that's recording an audio book or an audio Bible is going to put their own intonations in it and their own emphasis and all that kind of stuff, you start to, that's, in a sense, that's almost its own commentary because they're emphasizing things that they've made decisions on. And, uh, and even the audio books that I've recorded that I have, are ones that I say, don't let my reading of it be the only way that you take it in, right? Um, And so I think it's a great supplement. I don't think it's a great replacement unless that's the only thing that you can do from a reading standpoint. That's good. I did have a mom come up to me. I had spoken at her church one year, and I came back and spoke the next year. She came up to me, and she said, my young son... He, uh, uh, I think he was like nine, so he could read, but every night he just played my Gospel of John CD, and he would listen to a couple stories as he went to bed, and a year later I came back and he knew the whole Gospel of John word for word, like 10 years old, nine years old, just because he had listened to it. He just, so he just started talking along with it and telling the stories. Pretty neat. Good question. Not the shortest. Huh? Not always the shortest. Yeah, it's not always the shortest. No. Uh, it, the, the question, question, the question was, is, yeah. how do I decide what books I go to? Sometimes, I, I recommend that people that are going to start this process, I, unless you've got something that your church is preaching through, like I just mentioned, 1 Corinthians, I recommend if people are just starting from scratch, Philippians and 2 Timothy are great books to start with for two reasons. One, they're short. And if you're learning any kind of new process, learning it with something that is bite-sized, I had somebody come up to me and say, I'm going to tackle Romans right off the bat. I'm like, dude. And, uh, and anyway, but uh, hold on a couple years for that one. But, but Philippians and 2 Timothy are both short. One will take about 15 minutes. 2 Timothy will take about 12 and the other thing is, is that they both have verses in them that we've heard out of context a lot. And so I find that it's fun for people as they're reading it to kind of, I, the way that I put it is, it's like putting flesh on a skeleton that you already know. Um, and, but past that, as far as a place to start, a lot of times it's really driven by either something that I'm really drawn to, that I've been, if I've, the more that I've been in conversation and relationship with God, the more that I kind of feel drawn to a specific book. Um, the other is sometimes it's a book that our small group is doing or our church is preaching through, and so I'll just take two or three months and just hunker down in that one book because I just want a deeper 
to go deeper with it than maybe our small group is going or something like that. Uh, but, but I don't have a, okay, here are, here's the order for your first 15 books or whatever. I mean, it's, I recommend those two to start with. Uh, unless you're somebody who's fairly new to the Bible or new to church, then I have a different plan that I recommend people do. Uh, I can talk to people about that afterwards if you're interested, uh, where you focus on Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and you read it in a certain way over the course of four months. It gives you a foundation for everything else that you read. Um, so if you're new to hanging out with God or new to the Bible, I don't recommend grabbing Philippians and just soaking in Philippians. You need to hang out with Jesus for a while. So. Um, it's probably a longer answer than we've got right now. The, the, the book that I wrote that's back there, Falling in Love with God's Word, takes that foundation framing and finished work and applies it, to the, and applies it to 60 days in Philippians and how exactly I do every single day in that Philippians. But, um, but in essence, it's breaking down, looking in the foundation phase is doing some of the background studies on the book, looking at kind of the overarching, how would I, how would I summarize this book in a sentence or in a paragraph? And then when I'm looking at, typically I will break down the book into a paragraph or two that is kind of thematically, what are the thoughts? What's the thought process in this book? Which if you try to do that at the beginning, is a very heady academic exercise. It's like outline, when I, you know, when I was told to outline chapter one of this history book when I was in 10th grade, whatever it was, and it was like, ah. Uh. Uh, but I find that if you've read a book 30 times, and I say, what are the major themes? You'd go, oh, they're this, this, and this, and this. I mean, you, and then so categorizing that, and then I spend two, three days just praying through it and talking to God about it and seeing what do you want me to apply out of this and that's where some of the application comes in and I do some word studies at that point and looking at some oh what this word has actually shown up because when you're again reading it through a bunch of times you'll actually see wow this shows up several different times or this minor character shows up three or four different times in this gospel you know and so seeing where Nicodemus shows up or where Andrew shows up or something like that has been really cool that I would never see if I hadn't watched the movie first, right? So, um, so breaking it up into what those scenes are and then meditating on that and thinking through it and applying, making application. So what are the English versions of the Bible? Which one did you memorize? Uh, the, the one that I've done the most internalization in is the NIV. And it's not because I analyzed every single one and said the NIV is by far the best. It's because when I was 18, I was given an NIV study Bible as a graduation gift from high school. And when I started reading Philippians every day during the summer of 93, that's the one I had. And I didn't go back and relearn it. And so that's the Bible that I had. And that's the Bible that I was using. Because again, I started out just doing this for my own personal growth. I wasn't doing it so that I could perform it on stage. I mean, that, kind of, that came a lot later. And, um, but I've also done the book of James in the New Living Translation. New Living is very interesting. Um, so, but I know a lot of people who really like, who, who are people that have grown up more with the King James and kind of the, the cadence that they hear the Bible in in their mind is a more formal cadence, have been drawn typically to either the, either the King James, they just stick with it, or the New King James and the ESV English Standard Version, I think, are the two best kind of, if you'd like a more, a, a slightly more formal cadence. And I would say in that order goes from formal to less formal would be King James, New King James, ESV. ESVs were super solid. I really like the ESV a lot. Well, one of the things that um, Keith shared about is this idea of relational study and, and carrying it through. And so one of the things that Keith... Keith and I actually started talking, gosh, it must have been, September, maybe? yeah, before that, summer. Okay. Um, sometime in the summer about, like, how do we take this? How do we take this and do something that promotes our families kind of connecting with us dynamically in a different way? And so for you with um, children in the elementary age, Keith and I have been working on this project for quite some time now where we're going to take everything that he's begun to, to 
just lay out here tonight, but go all the way through the finishing work with um, parents and kids for our elementary age. Over the next six weeks, we'll be taking apart um, Philippians and kind of looking through that book together with our, our children and family. So there's, there's space for you to do that. But there's also, um, actually, I have to just tell you something. So one of my dearest friends is sitting up here, second row. She's probably heard Keith as many times as me, and one of the things I love about Kristen is she immediately heard Keith the first time and said, I've never applied it, I've never done it this way. She gathered a group of women together, and she grabbed a book, and she said, we're going to do this. I want to I look at God's word differently, and um, the relationship I know that Kristen has with God is completely different now than the relationship she had before she started applying some of Keith's ideas, and so we want to make sure that you know, even if you don't have elementary kids, you can participate in this in a different way. Keith, um, the things that Keith and I've created for the children and families to do um, are also going online live for the first time next week. He's beta testing it and there's a chance because he's here with you guys this evening to sign up with your email and he will give you a chance to participate in that relational Bible study, be online with others and um, be in community with that piece, which is a really nice bonus of um, just you being here this evening for us. So there are many things that I know um, Keith has just begun to touch on, and one of the biggest ones for me, um, I'm glad he finally, I was like, say it. He kept saying, read it out loud, read it out loud, and that's just one of those things that when I sit down, I just, I have this much time, and by the time I get my chai tea set down and I get my paper and my pencil and my Bible out, I've used up most of my time that I really feel like I have, and I, and I rush it, and I want to read it just silently and, and kind of go through my things, but the greatest thing that I think I walked away with is learning to read it out loud and to hear the story come alive as I'm just kind of saying those words. Um, it just comes across so differently. So if you walk away with one thing um, tomorrow morning, read it out loud. See what happens. Hey, Keith, what do we do when we don't know somebody's name and how to pronounce it? Is it okay if we fake make it, it up? Okay, that's yeah. what I do. I just want to make sure you guys, you heard him. We can fake it. We yeah. can fake Especially it. Especially if it's in there a bunch of times. Like I'll just, you know, some of the guys like in you know, first and second Samuel and some of these guys that show up will be like, like, I'll just call you K. <laughs> and every time he shows up, I'll go K in my head instead of correct, I'm not exactly correct. <laughs> yeah, I just gave you guys permission. You can fake it until you ask someone exactly how to pronounce it. But I am so glad that you are here this evening. Keith is going to stick around. He's going to be here to visit for a few more minutes with anyone who wants to talk to him about reading plans or um, just the best way to continue some of these ideas and engage it differently. And um, he has books and stuff back there if you're interested that are great resources. But I'm going to tell you right now, Keith, Keith um, does a lot of ebooks that he gives away for free online. And if you just Send, give him your email or send him an email. He, you will have that available to you. You can download those things. Um, so, yeah, we put all that information right there for you so you can connect with him. And he's great um, at getting back to you and, and talking to you because I know that's been true for me. And my, my friendship with him is based on um, just our love for God and his word. So I want to thank you for being here this evening and for coming out on a chilly night. Um, I did just get a text. Some schools won't have school tomorrow, but it's not our schools. Um, Kansas City schools are still out again. I just heard from a friend. So um, for those of you that are parents, maybe you'll have some people with you and you can start this reading plan tomorrow. Otherwise, um, you'll get to start it alone. But thank you again for being here this evening. And thank you, Keith. Will you guys help me give him a hand? Thank you. All right. You have a challenge, First Corinthians. We're going to be hanging out in it for a while, you guys. Let's fall in love with the movie first, okay? Start reading. <laughs>